I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello and good afternoon, everyone. I'm constitutional attorney, Catherine Henry. Welcome to week 46 of Restore Freedom Weekly. We have quite a bit of information in store for you today. And I also brought along a special guest, my good friend, 2AEDU, who uh, looks a little bit different uh, to those of you who might have joined us on Friday on his channel uh, on Friday night where he does. his normal thing on 2AEDU on his YouTube channel. So I'm sorry to tell you 2AEDU, but it's going to be like 81 here today. And I think it's 30 here in Michigan. Can we still be friends? Uh, maybe for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that and I I got to reelect DeSantis and you reelected Whitmer. So. Yeah. But uh, there is hope there are answers. There's a whole bunch in store for you today. So uh, the format of today is um, I have uh, just some general topics and things we're going to touch on. And my good friend to AEDU, who obviously specializes in more of one type of discussion than others. Typically, you could probably guess which one, <clears throat> the Second Amendment. Um, but uh, he's going to jump in throughout the conversation and uh, just we're just going to kind of keep it low key today. And uh, basically everything I'm sharing with you today is something that if you've been watching me, uh, watching these videos, the hundreds of videos we've put out over the last three years, You've already heard this many times before. Even if you just found out about me uh, at the beginning of this year when we started doing the actual Restore Freedom Weekly episodes, then you've already heard these concepts before. Even if you've only caught a few episodes, you've likely heard these concepts before. But hopefully this week, we're gonna be able to put them together in a way that maybe makes things click a little bit more for you or puts them into uh, some context to help you navigate what the heck do you do now so election results are largely in supposedly finalized in most jurisdictions across the united states so now what well um obviously many of us are disgusted with the <clears throat> results uh, air quotes for those of you listening later on our podcasting platforms um, but uh, most election results are declared final across the U.S. So now that that's a thing, is there anything that the average person can even do? Is there anything we must do? So we're going to touch on a few topics, um, just touching on them. We're not going to go in full detail because we've already done that um, in several episodes prior, but touching on state Supreme Court justices the bad ballot proposals that passed, the good ballot proposals that failed, um, election irregularities. Keeping in mind, we're going to have the kid gloves on so that we don't get thrown off YouTube today, okay? Um, bad candidates winning, good candidates winning, and where do we go from here with it all? So 
it's a lot, but again, it's just going to be an overview of what we could do. Now, keep in mind, oh, and I didn't grab the slide that I normally like to put in there recently. Um, so Lori might have to show herself on stream if I can't remember these. Uh, every Tuesday um, at or before 10 a.m., we post our True or False Tuesday question of the week. This, of course, was week 46. Um, so the election results are final now. So there's nothing more that we can do right now, basically, until the next election. True or false? Well, if you know me, that answer is probably super easy, even if you don't have all the details. But um, Or if you caught... Uh, the 2AEDU episode from Friday night at 9.30, then you also know the answer to that. So what are some of the things we need to keep in mind as we begin this conversation about where do we go from here? Well, um, 2AEDU, it is super hard to call you the right thing because it's a lot more syllables than what I normally call you uh, when we talk on the phone. <laughs> so at any rate, um, do you want to take it away with this concept here? Yeah, basically where we get our rights from and what this country is supposed to be. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Look, this country is supposed to be an experiment on self-governance, a republic, if we can keep it, like Ben Franklin said. <clears throat> and I think the problem right now is, is people have kind of forgotten what their role is supposed to be in government. And there's lots of craziness and evil stuff going on right now. But we really shouldn't be surprised because evil always has is currently and always will prevail when good men do nothing. So I don't really know why we should be so surprised when we have all-time record heights of apathy amongst just so many people. And things are changing nowadays, and I think it's time for conservatives. I say Republicans because I'm actually really too conservative to be a Republican, but I tend to vote that way. It's time for us to look at what's going on right now in the year 2022, and we better start fighting back on the level that the other side is and start figuring out what we need to do in these times, or we're just going to sit back on our principles and just keep getting bulldozed, really. I love so many things that you just said. I'm writing a few of them down. Um, I'm to be a Republican. Uh, that's definitely going down in my uh, statement uh uh, repository. Uh, but you touched on the apathy and the indifference, and those are things that we're going to get to throughout this. But the the most basic of all things, and it's something that, let's be honest, I'm going to be honest with you guys, well, I always am. Uh, that's why I get in trouble with some of the party line, uh, toe the line kind of people, because I don't, I just tell the truth. Um, I never even really thought about the fact that we get our rights from God. Well, let me back up and say, my my upbringing was not a biblical one. It's not one to, I, I wasn't taught the, about the Bible as a child. I wasn't taught about God or Jesus or, or the good news or anything like that. So I had to stumble my way through that and try to learn that in uh, later years in life. And uh, maybe I'm about a, a first grade student now in terms of my faith, Um but uh, for most of this time, as as I even started this freedom fight with you guys and, and this journey of doing these videos and speaking all over uh, the state and all over the country was um, I considered myself a, a Christian kindergartner. Uh, so I think I've, I've now ramped up to a, a first grader 
uh, in terms of understanding and developing, developing my faith in, in Christianity. But uh, so when I didn't have those, those understandings of faith in general, it was really hard to grasp then the concept of where my rights come from and that they don't come from the government, that the constitution isn't written in a way to say, okay, you have the right to do this and the right to do this and the right to do this, but keep in mind, you only can do what we tell you you can do. You have to get permission from us before you can do anything. Um, but I wanted to give you guys uh, even more resources. So uh, where do we get that from? The state constitution, the U.S. constitution, uh, the Declaration of Independence, all of these parts talk about that concept. Um, and our rights are supposed to be exercised undiminished, undrained, bridged, unarranged, unviolated, undenied, undeprived, unabused, and unusurped. I did not make up all those words. I just added on in front of some of them, but they're all in the constitution, in state or federal constitutions, uh, or Declaration of Independence. And it means our rights are ours. The government's not supposed to trample on it. In fact, the government's main purpose, uh, like to AEDU uh, mentioned with that experiment of self-governments, the government's main purpose and responsibility is to protect our God-given liberties. So when I'm exercising my uh, God-given constitutionally protected rights, I'm not trampling upon or stopping uh, you and his exercise, his god constitutionally protected rights. Edu, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this particular topic or not. Um, it's something I really touched on more just this year, but uh, it never really occurred. You know, I, for years I've been hearing about the states' rights issues, and especially when the Dobbs decision came out, and and supposed conservatives everywhere mm -hmm. are running around. Constitutional conservatives are running around talking about, well, now it goes to the states because it's a states' rights thing, and this decision was amazing, and it's this is. This is exactly what it was supposed to be because it, you know, returns the decision back to the states. What are your, what are your thoughts when I say the government has no rights? Well, first of all, the government does not have any rights on any level whatsoever, whether it's all the way down to your township hall, up to the federal United States government. And the reason that is because if you look at the Declaration of Independence, it says all men are created equal and they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That's people, not the government. And then it talks about the sole purpose of the government is to protect these rights. And I hate that people so often look at the 10th Amendment saying that states' rights. No, that's really bad to look at it that way because if any form of government were to have rights at all, that means the power would be inherent in the state instead of inherent within the people. And we've been taught even by so many Republicans and conservatives that it's the complete opposite of that. And they say things like, you know, let's make it a state's rights issue for abortion or things like that. And it actually, states have no rights. Neither do townships or anybody. That's how I look at it. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, God gave us individual liberties, our own rights, and he did not give governments rights. Governments don't have inherent rights. And we can look to the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. You know, people talk about the Tenth Amendments as a state rights issue, but the word rights is not in there. So please look at that, guys, if you don't believe me. Um, one thing I, uh, in all the tech issues and things I'm trying to maneuver here, I totally forgot that we have comments going. 
uh, on this live stream. And um, we had uh, some good, some good things like Ryan on YouTube, Ottawa County had less votes for Tudor Dixon than the down ballot Republican candidates. I don't think so. Uh, that is something we will um, address. Um, choosing my so many of you still watch on YouTube, jump over to Rumble, people. Follow me on Rumble. If all of you, if the tens of thousands of people that I have following me on YouTube could just jump over to Rumble and watch me there, I could say a lot more things just point blank like you guys know that I like to do. So at any rate, we're going to play by their rules because we're still on their platform. Um, uh, okay. And of course, my husband's following up with that uh, Ryan statement on YouTube because he wants to see the stats. Um, let's see. Oh, just wanted to touch base really quick to see if there were any other comments. If I have skipped a comment that we should have been putting up here or a concern or question, um, I do apologize. I'm not trying to shut down anybody. And hello to all of you, by the way, watching on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, uh, DLive. Um, believe you are not comment live uh, where we could see and have that interaction on YouTube, um, I think Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, and now LinkedIn. I could be wrong about that, but um, all right. And all right. So the Rumble, <laughs> yeah, uh, the Liberty Cause, who is a, a friend of mine down here in the freedom-loving state of Florida, is reminding me that the rumble chat part still sucks. It does. And it's, uh, what is it? RTMP or whatever it is. So it's, it's not very easy to use, but, uh, anyway, maybe if we all go there and support, then they'll put more stuff into it, more effort and funding and make it better. But all right. So, um, also as two AEDU touched on, so I'll just gloss right over this, but it is a huge point. It is we, the people that created our constitution and our very form of government. Just look to all the constitution preambles, look to that declaration of independence. Uh, and like we just touched on government, not only does it not have rights, but it only has the powers which we delegate to it. I mean, you could look at the uh, Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution. You could look at that 10th Amendment, the Declaration of Independence. How about this? In the state constitutions, and again, if you don't live in Michigan or Florida, I just give you those examples, but look to your own state constitutions, and nine times out of ten, anything that I'm talking about in these constitutions, you will find uh, very similar, if not word for word, in your own state constitution. But Article 1, Section 1 of both state constitutions, which tells you it's front and center, people. It's right It's right there. You can't avoid it. Article 1, Section 1. So right after you have the preamble that says people created this form of government, we create this constitution. Then it goes into all political power. All political power is inherent in the people. I, it's something that I've said before, but I just think we don't get enough of. So what does this all mean? The government cannot act unless there is a specific power granted by the Constitution. And government is prohibited from doing anything that violates either the U.S. or state constitutions. And of course, every government official is sworn to an oath. So 
Unfortunately for my dear friend, 2AEDU, he is in a state right now that had some bad ballot proposals passing. Um, I'm assuming, forgive me if you and I talked about it or even did a show about it, uh, had a lot of things going on, a couple of hurricanes, some family situations, uh, some some other legal challenges I'm fighting on different freedom fights. Um, but anyway, so 2AEDU, did you and I ever talk in depth about uh, your thoughts on Prop 1, 2, and 3? Or were you just in general a vote no, no, no kind of guy? I voted no on all three. I mean, I analyzed each one individually, but I still voted no on all three. So would you agree um, Prop 1, was I would have voted no as well. I encouraged people to vote no as well. But although it's bad, that one really wasn't the end of the world. Yeah, not compared to the other two, for sure. Right. That was more of a term limits and financial disclosures, which in general sound like really great things, which is why it passed. Because anybody who's not going to do their homework is going to think, oh, term limits? Heck yeah, sign us up for that. Let's get those guys out of office when they're, you know, shouldn't be there that long. When in reality, in, in certain circumstances, it actually gave them longer, the ability to serve in a particular house longer than what they're currently serving. Um, yeah. And then, did you have a thought on that? I was just saying, the way I read it, they could do six terms in the house now under the new, whereas they couldn't before. That's how I read it. Yeah, which I hadn't even thought of until somebody else, uh, maybe it was you, <laughs> brought that up. And I was like, oh, yeah. I, and I don't even think that was necessarily the intention. It's just some, honestly, the vast majority of proposals that were even put forth uh, to try to get signatures this year uh, to get on the ballot were just stupid. Like the people that were writing them were idiots. And I don't normally like to just run around and call a bunch of names, but have you guys not even passed the second grade? I mean, cause my daughter who is in third grade now, kid number four, mind you, but in third grade, she could put together sentences with better punctuation, better grammar, uh, you than everything that was in basically prop one, two, and three. Right. Here's the thing with that, though. I don't think that was by accident. I think they oh. realized the, the current methods of voting, which now lends itself better to a certain demographic of voters. I think they were dumbing it right down just as stupid as the new voter base that they were catering to. So I think that was all by design, how stupid it was written. Oh, I guess I just look at how we vote now. It's no longer that young people have to care enough to go out and vote. Now their mom just says, hey. You want to go out to dinner? Sure. Oh, before we do, fill out that ballot that was mailed to you by the Secretary of State, and I'll go turn it in for you. That's how people vote now. So all these people that don't even care, that aren't educated, don't care about this country or the state of Michigan, they just vote willy-nilly. And a lot of them are really stupid people. <laughs> so. Yes. And so you you have the really stupid people you have those keywords you mentioned earlier though the apathy and the indifference the people that might otherwise be super intelligent people who put a lot of effort and time and you know research into other areas of their life you know what kind of car they want to buy or what kind of college they want to go to or all these other things they're researching the heck out of it they're putting some thought and some you know some something into it and then you come to an election and they're like well i saw a few commercials and i yeah okay yeah i'm gonna vote uh you know <laughs> uh, you can't do that um 
So prop two, which is what we had just touched on. Uh, so it's bad. And some people were saying it was worse than three. But the thing is, it is bad. Okay, so as a reminder to those of you who are not in Michigan, Prop 2 is the one that solidifies Zuckerbucks being used to fund elections, that solidifies requirements for the state to send out absentee ballots to everyone for every election, that the state has to pay for all the postage for that, the state has to pay for more drop boxes and, you know, uh, that there's basically it obliterates the um, citizens right to challenge or get real true audits done of elections in Michigan. Uh, basically, every single thing that you would need, the recipe to uh, secure voter F-R-A-U-D or sticky finger method, as I might refer to it from now on, uh, the five finger discounts um, <laughs> with your ballots kind of thing. That is the... Um, that is basically what Michigan's Prop 2 does. Uh, so it, it has, in theory, some, like, if you're somebody who's just, you know, you're, I can't think of all my words, but like, you're, you're someone who's sick often. You have some sort of illness, you're, it's debilitating, uh, you know, you have um, fibromyalgia or, you know, cancer or something like that. And you don't often, you're not able to get out or what, whatever the case may be. Um, you travel a lot for work and you don't like having to miss, maybe you don't know often ahead of time that you're going to be traveling. And then all of a sudden your job says you got to go and you're like, crap, then I'm going to miss my opportunity to vote. Okay. I could see some circumstances where uh, some of the provisions of Prop 2 would be helpful, but this has a whole lot of un unintended stuff. If you're somebody that's along those lines of thinking, this prop two comes with a whole lot of other garbage that's bad. But what about now? Okay, so there may be some challenges in there that are based on the U.S. Constitution. Well, that means lawsuits, right? Um, the way that our government, we've, the way we've allowed our society and our government to function is that, well, just because it violates the U.S. Constitution doesn't mean we're going to recognize that as such until we wait for the big boys in robes to tell us that something violates the U.S. Constitution. So at any rate, that's going to be quite some time. Otherwise, and what might honestly be faster, a ballot proposal is needed for the next general election. So that would be, oh, I'd have to look at the wording of that. Um... And actually, there are some proposals in the Michigan legislature right now. I want to say maybe Julie Kelly, Representative Julie Kelly was one of them that had introduced some stuff. But at, at any rate, um, there are some proposals where we're looking at um, changing, you know, what dates are, are there going to be May proposals? Um, are there going to be, you know, basically solidifying? I don't know if they're trying to get rid of having like a May, August and November and just making it two. It's been a while since I've read the bills, but um, to AEDU, had you heard of any of those uh, where they're trying to change the dates of, of elections in, in Michigan? I've heard about changing dates. And also I've just heard that well, we're basically not switching to election day anymore. It's just going to be election weeks or months or whatever it ends up being. Right. Uh, yeah, uh, that's yes. Um, so Oh, yeah. So 
but trying to keep this on, uh, as, as you mentioned, there's a need on, on your show on Friday, there's a need to try to have that sense of providing the truth and being realistic, but also keeping it positive, right? There is still hope yeah. and we have direction we need, we can go with this. Well, at any rate, no matter how they change that up, I believe it would be a November election would be the next general election. Um, and so that means in two years. Now, two years might seem like an eternity for you guys. But if you hit the ground running right now, get all your, your ducks in a row, get everything in place, get uh, good constitutional, whether it be attorneys or just constitutional experts uh, who, you know, want to put together that language, get people to review it. Uh, you know, have, get your county chairs for this proposal, you know, this, this ballot initiative, uh, whatever it would be called, undoing Prop 2, um, you know, repeal Zuckerbucks, whatever you want to call it, uh, Election Integrity 101, uh, that you get your ballot proposal committee forming now, right now, like today. If you hear this, if you're watching this video, you get somebody on it today. If you're somebody that doesn't feel confident getting a whole thing across the whole state organized, well, be starting to do what you can within your area, within your county. Um, but you need, I, I can say as somebody who has tried to get a constitutional amendment passed in, in the state of Michigan, but it would be the same with any state. Uh, I mean, in Michigan, there's 83 counties. You really need to succeed by getting at least one chair in each county who's going to be that hub of information and distribution. And, and you guys can do it. And you can, there's, there's several key things that you can undo or fix. Um, at that point, don't just stop with what Prop 2 did. Clean up some of the other garbage that has recently been done. What about the Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission? I mean, at any rate, there's stuff all tied to elections. Keep it to elections, keep it simple, but there, is, there are ways that you can get it done and you can get it on the next ballot in two years. And let me tell you, if you think two years is a long time, in so many ways, look back at the last two and a half years since all this government over-regulation garbage. I mean, 2AEDU, what do you think? I mean, in some ways it feels like I just met you. You're one of my new friends. And then I think about it, I'm like, Dang, think about how many things have happened, though, since you and I have met. I know. I've said that so many times on my channel. It's just been a little, but two and a half years, but it's like it's weird. It seems like it happened overnight, but it also seems like it took 100 years because we've seen like 100 years worth of tyranny just in the past couple of years. It's, my mind just spins even trying to think about it, to be honest. Right, right. But as, as big as that may sound... Let me let me remind you, let's look at Ottawa County, for example. Um, and I'm glad she got that date right, because somebody else contacted me earlier today and was saying the date is Christmas. I'm going to go. Um, Lori must be uh, sharing that um, some of these comments, but I'm going to touch on that in, in just a little bit. But um, anyway, if you think some of these things are impossible, think about this. Think about. Ottawa County, look at my friend Joe Moss and what he pulled off with Ottawa Impact and in Ottawa County, and they flipped, let's see, what was it? Um, there's 11 Ottawa County commission seats, I want to say, and they flipped nine of them. 
I think, if I remember correctly. Um, And it was just everyday people. Joe's one of them, Sylvia. They got all these people that are just everyday average people who not only did they flip that, but they got people on school boards all across uh, the county. They got people, um, you know, gearing up to get on, you know, for the next elections when there's openings on township boards and other committees and things. I mean, it's it's amazing what could be done if you put your mind to it. And you know what? Joe first had a conversation with me about it. I want to say it was like December 2nd, 2020. It was very early December. And he just said to me, hey, I was thinking about this, you know, as he was somebody that had been working with with me and Ryan and others uh, with the American Patriot Council. And then he came on board with Restore Freedom and was helping us out with a lot of things there. And then he's like, I think I got to do this thing. And I was like, okay, you know, so here we are fast forward uh, to almost two years later. And it's amazing what you can accomplish. Um, But people are, even if the results of the election were 100% accurate as they've been reported in Michigan, even if that's the case, people, patriots all across Michigan are awakened, like like you just said, to ADU. It's, what was it, 100, 100 years of tyranny that we've seen in the last two years? Is that how you just said that? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so you do have some of those people, unfortunately, that are sitting and still like, you know, in the apathy and difference category. But you have a lot of average Joes that are like, what the hell's going on? This is ridiculous. And they're ready to do something. And they're suspicious of all of what is being reported. So at any rate, Prop 3, it's inherently unconstitutional throughout it. The problem is, and I touched on this in videos before the election, there's a severability clause, which means at this point, when you get, you know, when somebody goes to it to do a challenge, um, and there should and can be and hopefully will be immediately lawsuits to stop it um, because of the the inherent unconstitutionality about it. Um, If the court, depending on how the lawsuit is crafted, If the court then says, okay, well, this one part is unconstitutional, we cut that one part out, the whole rest of it gets to stay in place because of the severability clause. You look like you wanted to say something there. (laughs) I don't know how that's possible. Just because whoever wrote the proposal wrote it in there, is that supposed to just make it so or... Um, it's, it's the savings clause. It's, it's basically a way that it's a common thing in statutes and in in constitutional amendments. So generally speaking, it does uphold because, you know, if it's unconstitutional, I would say, I don't know about you, but I would say if I was someone that voted for that proposition, I'm voting for the whole thing. Yes. So if a piece of it is taken out, how do they know that I still would have voted in favor of that prop with the changes? I mean, it doesn't seem like they should be able to just rewrite it at that point. Yeah, and I talked about this on my channel probably two, three months ago. The U.S. House of Representatives had passed a so-called assault weapons ban. That's the word they used. 
and it had that same severability clause. If one part is found to be unconstitutional, the rest still stands, blah, blah, blah. And it just makes me really think about why are we writing all these omnibus bills and all these omnibus propositions? To me, a law shouldn't be a law, or in this case, it's a proposition for a constitutional amendment, but whether it's that or a law, it shouldn't have like so many things in it that they can just throw the whole kitchen sink of tyranny at it and then, oh, okay, you got us on these half of the things, but the other half will stand. Why is there so many things that are in one law? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It, and just to be clear, in Michigan, there is a part of the, the Michigan state constitution that says as far as laws go, they're not allowed to um, introduce a bill that talks about more than one subject. It all has to be on one subject as long, uh, and we're talking about statutes, state statutes. A lot of other constitutions, state constitutions talk about the same thing. Um, but this was a constitutional amendment, which has different pieces to it. The, the interesting thing about Prop 3 though, is all the stuff that's really, it's in it, but it's not in it. Um, the words, what they mean, have huge implications about parental rights, about you know the ability to have religious freedom, all these other concepts that are directly, um, you know, unequivocally, undeniably impacted. But a lot of those words or phrases aren't even in this amendment the way that they've crafted it. So that's the strange thing about this is it doesn't on its face have a lot of wording. It doesn't on its face seem to do a lot of different things like, you know, like you mentioned omnibus bills that really omni many, right? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so it's, it's just one of those things. Um, but yeah, none of it should really be used and, and uh, they shouldn't have savings clauses because we're voting for what it is, not what a court later makes it to be. Yes. Um, so since we talked about back here, um, especially with Prop 2, I mean, you could do this with all the props, but especially with Prop 2, um, with that ballot proposal needed right now to get started for the next general election, um, what are the rights of citizens for different specific types of petitioning in the Michigan Constitution? Um, and again, if you live in another state, this kind of stuff, if you had a bad ballot proposal that passed um, or a good one that didn't, that should have, uh, you need to look to your state constitution to see that's where you would find what your rights are as far as um, a citizen to get, you know, a proposal passed. Well, in Michigan, uh, you have the right of the people to do a recall under Article 2, Section 8, Article 2, Section. And, and for those of you guys who are a little bit new to um, the videos and things that I do uh, on Thursday, I will share with you the Constitution segment recap video. And in the description of that video will be, uh, by and large, the same slides that you're seeing here. So you don't have to try to, you know, write all these provisions down if you want to be able to look at the slideshow later and all that. We're just going to breeze through some of this, um, but you'll have it available at your fingertips later. And like I said, all of these slides in one way or another have already been shared with you in, in prior videos as well. Um, anyway, so um, Article 2, Section 9, that's for initiative petitions and referendum petitions like the um, unlock petition, etc. But then Article 12, Section 2, big one, amendments to the state constitution by petition and then the vote of the electors. So that is where, you know, the, the Restore Freedom Initiative petition started. That's uh, these petitions that, that just passed. Uh, and that's the, the kind of petition that will be needed 
now to get ready for the next election. So, okay. So what about prop three? Um, it does go into effect 45 days after the election, article 12, section two that we just talked about. That's, that's where it tells us 45 days. So that would be Friday, December 23rd, the day after my anniversary. Um, challenges to the election results should be made prior to that date, just because Prop 2 comes into play on the same day. And the way that Prop 2 is shutting down the ability to do different audits or challenge election results or all that kind of stuff, that's going to muddy the water. So if I were you, if you want to challenge anything about how Prop 3 or if it really did pass or any of that stuff, you got to get that really done in this these 45 days. Um, but there's also inherent violations of the U.S. Constitution in Prop 3 that create a problem for enforcement. Um, here's an excellent question, though, um, to AEDU. I don't know if you've thought about this. This is a question I never even thought of until it came to me. And I was like, this is amazing. So this is a person who actually was a petition circulator for me back in um, 2020 with the Restore Freedom Initiative petition, and she reached out. I won as county commissioner for District 3 in Muskegon. However, those of us Republicans are wondering about taking the oath of office. We will not take, so as, as you guys know, we've talked about it in the other slides, there's an oath when you, when you um, did we already do that slide, the oath of office slide? Um, I thought I did. It's in here somewhere. <laughs> anyway, there is a, um, wow, I have so many. I just, I, I lost it. Okay. Anyway, there's, um, when you serve in government, the U.S. Constitution, state constitutions, and uh, state law in every state require you to take an oath of office. And sometimes it's written differently depending on um, whatever office you're about to take. But anyway, so she's talking about that oath of office to defend the U.S. and Michigan constitutions. She says, we will not take an oath to kill babies. And this is in, in the context of Prop 3. We will not take an oath to kill babies, mutilate children, sterilization procedures, transgender operations, that kind of thing, uh, and agree to take parental rights away. Therefore, cannot take the oath to uphold the Michigan constitution. And I did ask her permission to share this question. I said it was a phenomenal question. And uh, they have, you know, some some things, some different ways they're trying to, to think about that. But, um, and and to AEDU, jump in anywhere here that you want. Um, otherwise, I'm just kind of going to breeze well, through. Well, back to that question, I think it brings up a huge point. And what we're really seeing right now with these proposals, as good as it can be that the people can amend the constitution with a proposal we're seeing here how bad it can be because it's going against our republican form of government i don't mean the republican party i mean a republic not a straight democracy because a democracy ends up being two wolves and one sheep voting on what's for dinner and what we're seeing here is a tyranny of the majority where the majority of the people just voted up or down yay or nay on something that would affect the whole state where normally laws especially the law of the land is supposed to be put in by we the people in a representative form of government where a small little town 
and Michigan can still have a say instead of just having Detroit, Michigan stomp out 99% of all of the small towns and villages in the state. And this does create a huge problem because we look at what is government. Well, our rights are endowed by our creator. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The right to life is the first thing that Thomas Jefferson mentioned when he wrote the Declaration of Independence. So, yeah, there's some huge fundamental problems with this. Taking an oath when the one of the main reasons that government was formed at all is to protect the right to life. But now you have to take an oath to protect destroying life. It is a huge, huge issue. And it's a conundrum that they're in right now, if you think about it. Oath takers and oath keepers. Exactly. Um, but I, I think she's going to be okay. So this part, I'm just going to tell you guys what rights. So those of you who might have been indifferent, those of you who are um, maybe you are running for office and you're so focused on your race for county commission or township trustee or whatever it was, uh, state or local office, typically, maybe even the federal office that you really were so like in the zone. And I know what it's like. I've run for office before. Um, but you're just, you're going to meeting after meeting and you're, you know, <clears throat> doing donation fundraisers and you're taking calls and answering emails and it's, it's a night and day 24 seven type of thing the whole time you're running for office. So, uh, sometimes you don't really take a breath to see what else is going on around in the world. Right. And you don't know what some of those big concepts are. So what, first of all, are the rights if you have a, if government's job is, is to, you know, protect our rights, to secure our God-given liberties, whose rights are even involved when you're talking about the concept of an abortion? And again, this is just abortion. Prop three is so much more than that. But even just on the concept of abortion, well, you have rights of the mother. We talk about that all the time, right? What about the rights of the child? What about the right of the state in terms of society in general? What about rights of the father? Um, so rights involved, you have the health and life of both mother and child. You have privacy issues um, that they're, they're claiming that abortion is a privacy right for mothers. Um, due process, well, mother, child, father, you cannot be denied the right to life, liberty, or property without due process of law. What due process is going to be given to the children and to the fathers, and quite frankly, even to mothers, depending on the situation, with this Prop 3 and how it's worded. Equal protection of the law, equal protection. How are children protected under Prop 3? How are fathers being protected by Prop 3? 2AEDU, you have, you have a daughter who's about my daughter's age, I think. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I have, well, we have three daughters and one son. Uh, I just, my husband would be, well, hopefully he'll come. I tried to get him to actually come on the show, but, uh, it's like pulling teeth. Actually, I think he'd rather go to the dentist and have his teeth pulled, but anyway, maybe he'll jump on the comments on YouTube or Facebook. But anyway, uh, so what are the rights, um, these are, this is just a little bit more specifics on some of those rights we just talked about. Um, you also have the unenumerated rights, those rights given to us by God. That's uh, U.S. Constitution, the Ninth Amendment, Michigan uh, Constitution, Article 1, Section 23. There's also a provision, I want to say it's Article 1, 
Section 2 in the Florida State Constitution, although this is talking about Michigan's Prop 3 that just passed. Um, but we again, we just talked about that right to due process, right to equal protection. Um, what about cruel and unusual punishments? Our Constitution, state and federal, guarantees the right against cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. Uh, and even um, in the state Constitution, no law shall be enacted providing for the penalty of death. Uh, gee, if you're alive and then your mom gets to go and terminate your life, I'm pretty sure that qualifies as the penalty of death. I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? It sounds like they're protecting criminals right to life more than innocent, um, unborn babies right to life is what that means. Oh, and speaking of which, the protection of criminals, don't forget this Prop 3 says that anyone aiding in an abortion at all is, or sterilization of women or children or transgender operations, any of that stuff, anyone helping in any kind of sense with those um, functions, uh, it could be a rapist, it could be a pimp, it could be a human trafficker, it could be any number of really bad situations and those individuals, as long as they're there helping to procure those, those um, rights and treatments with air quotes uh, that I'm using, then they literally under the, the language of this constitutional amendment, Prop 3 that just passed, they cannot be criminally charged or held responsible in any way, shape or form by the state. In fact, the state can no longer even regulate in terms of the health, um, you know, uh, the cleanliness or the medical procedures used it, just in terms of it, if it is considered a medical procedure, if it is considered health care, then under this Prop 3, realize that this form of health care is now no longer able to be regulated by the state whatsoever, although literally every other aspect of health care is regulated in the state of Michigan. Yeah, this actually is a big blow to woman's rights to use there a woman's right to her body well hold on a minute because that is the argument that they use so often this is actually a lose-lose all of the right to life people should be ticked off right now and all of the people that keep on saying the same thing a woman has a right to her body they should be equally ticked off because this says they could mutilate permanently deform even in some cases kill a woman with complete immunity so the other side should be almost more mad than we are if they truly actually read what this would allow to happen to, to, to just women, I mean, and, and children and all kinds of different things that could go on here. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's yeah. <sighs> um, one of the How stupid are people, both sides should be equally mad at this. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. People just must be really dumb and not know how to read anymore. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Yes. People, or they have the apathy and the indifference and they say, I'm not going to read the whole petition. I'm just going to read the summary or I'm going to read what the commercial tells me about the summary. That's even worse. And that happens more and more. And by the way, the language of this petition all fit on one sheet of paper, guys. So if you didn't read it before and then it, you know, it, it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault if you didn't read it before, even if you voted no, because if you had read it, the one sheet of paper where this petition is on there, you would have known some of the very things that are in there and go, oh my gosh. And you would have been in a much better position to tell your friends, neighbors, coworkers, people that go to church with you. Uh, it Anyway, yeah. so this often not talked about right, 
What about the right to be free from bills of attainder? Because it's actually in the U.S. Constitution twice and in the Michigan Constitution once. What is a bill of attainder? A special act that imposes a death sentence on a person without a trial. A death sentence. So a baby, an unborn baby is now allowed to be murdered without a trial, without any due process. I mean, there's so many interrelated rights here. Well, the baby's not even being alleged. That, it's not even being alleged that the baby committed a crime. So it's even worse than that, if you think about it. Right. Well, the crime of, actually, I would say their argument is, remember they have that that um, mental health language in this, um, in this proposal. So, you know, just the fact that, and even after, I mean, right up through birth if if a mom says oh my gosh i'm just this is i'm not i'm gonna be a terrible mom this is too stressful i don't know how i'm gonna handle this i don't know what i'm gonna do um this is uh um and that's our, our that's our michelle Hayes camp there um so yeah Lori, keep that one up but anyway um oh shoot where was i going with that what was i just saying um Brainwave. Well, causing, causing mental stress to the mother, allegedly, still isn't a crime that the baby's committing. That's oh, oh. messed up with all this. Right, right. It's actually not a crime, but they're essentially trying to turn it into a crime. Causing, uh, as a baby, as a newborn, as a, as a child, you cause your parents stress, and you're essentially committing a crime so heinous you can be put to death when no one else in Michigan can be put to death for any other reason. There's specifically a provision against that in the state constitution. But as a child, as someone who's not able, uh, you're legally not responsible as a child. I mean, it, you can't be sued civilly as a child for doing something because you can't form that mens rea. You can't form that criminal intent. You can't even, you're, anyway, you can't even sign a contract until you're 18. How does that work constitutionally, though? So this this can be the problem sometimes, again, with the tyranny of the majority or the way votes are done or whatever. What happens when you have a dueling narrative where one section of the Constitution says nobody can be put to death, but another section says it can? The Constitution is the supreme law of the land, but it says both. How does that win out? Exactly. <laughs> um, and that's where I would say the easiest question is to compare the Michigan Constitution to the U.S. Constitution. And the U.S. always wins. Um, but to finish off, so again, those Prop 3 implications, the government cannot do something to deprive our liberty to parent our own children. They can't impair our free exercise of religion or intrude upon our right to privacy. To have those conversations with our teenagers and our preteens about um, you know, if they're hearing from their schools now or their supposed guidance counselors or all these other social media, their whatever about transgenderism and, uh, you know, sterilization procedures and everything else there. Um, so this goes to, okay, so uh, Michelle Hayescamp has that question. Looks like Prop 3 is in conflict with a lot in the Michigan Constitution. How can it even be legal or allowed? Again, they they have that supposed uh, savings clause that that provision that says, well, it's severable. It's, it's severable. So if one part of the Constitution, uh, if this prop 
violates one part of the Constitution, then the rest of it is still good. What that's setting it up for is that the challenge is uh, going to be, in theory, treated by the court, which is a Democrat majority, by the way, um, that it's going to be treated by the court as, oh, well, this is, um, you know, if even if we say this one part is not constitutional, well, we get to keep all the rest of it because we could sever it from the rest of the petition. But Michelle is also the one that asked about those oaths of office. Here's the stinking slide I was looking for. I don't know what I have it called. But anyway, all government officials are required to take that constitutional oath of office. You can look at Amendment, excuse me, Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution, Article um, 11, Section 1 of the Michigan Constitution, uh, State Statute 15.151 in Michigan, State Statute 112.311 is just an example of one of those in the Florida State Constitution or in Florida statutes. Again, it, this is a Prop 3 thing, but I'm just trying to touch base by throwing Florida in there. I'm saying, hey, all of you who work for government, you have to take a constitutional oath of office, an oath to uphold and support the U.S., Constitution. So why did I emphasize U.S. Constitution? Because the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. The U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Look at Article 6. That means that no federal law, no federal law, right? Federal laws are scary, right? No federal law can violate or be repugnant to the U.S. Constitution. No state law, no state constitution can stand as repugnant to the U.S. Constitution. No court order, no government action can be repugnant to the, to the U.S. Constitution because if any law, state constitutional provision, court order, or other government action is repugnant to the Constitution, it's automatically void. And if people want to read Marbury versus Madison and some of the others a little bit better, how about just starting with Article 6, it's void on its face as though it never even happened. We don't have to wait for the guys in robes or gals in robes to tell us, oh, yeah, so the state constitution, this part does violate the U.S. Constitution, so you don't have to follow that. No, because all these other people, all these other government officials, heck, if you're in Florida, the Florida State Constitution requires that in order to register to vote, you swear an oath to uphold and defend the U.S. Constitution just to get to vote. And that's the way it should be. So if you're a voter in some states, let alone if you work for government in any capacity, even as a volunteer, State Statute 15.151 in Michigan says you have to take that constitutional oath which means you have to first uphold the U.S. Constitution. You don't get the luxury of being lazy about it and just waiting for those fancy people in robes with the big paycheck to tell you that it's unconstitutional. So for those of you wondering, the same thing as Michelle, who, who maybe didn't even realize you had the same questions as Michelle, what about my oath to support the U.S. and state constitutions? Again, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Any state or federal law uh, that violates the U.S. Constitution or is repugnant to the U.S. Constitution is void. Judges and all government officials are bound by the U.S. Constitution, not any unconstitutional order or any other unconstitutional action. So your constitutional oath 
is only to those parts of the state constitution that don't violate the U.S. Constitution. I don't know. 280 EDU, tell me, did I, sometimes I get all this, it's like so obvious in my head. I'm not sure that I'm saying it very clearly out loud. Does that kind of clarify for people how that would work? Yes, it's just tough when they make you take an oath to both of them when the one may be contrary to the other. Right. Why even make somebody take a oath to the state constitution if the state doesn't matter? It is a little bit of a conundrum. It does matter because the state is there to be able to give us even more protections for our liberties, more specific protections than the U.S. Constitution does. So mm -hmm. there's a lot more inner workings and, and administrative tasks that are supposed to be done by government at the state and local levels. So in so doing, it makes sense that we would have even more protections spelled out, more limits on government and more protections spelled out at the state constitution level yeah. because there's just more happening. Assuming that's what, but assuming that's what the state constitution does until you get proposals like this, and then it starts to become contrary to protecting natural rights such as life. And <laughs> that's where... Yeah. yeah. So I'm thankful that I was able to explain that for Michelle. Um, hopefully, uh, tell Melinda, um, whoever else, I don't know at this point who all was up for election or re-election or whatever um, in Muskegon County, especially. But first of all, tell them all I said hello. And um, they were some of, some of them were the very people that I was running on a slate with when we were taking over the second congressional district of the Michigan Republican Party uh, back in 2020, 2021, um, which is how I got on state committee. But anyway, tell them all I said hello. Um, and then we have a new question. How do you get someone prosecuted who has violated their oath? Oh, that is a very good question. We've done some videos about it before, but I did delete all those slides from this one today because I knew we weren't going to have time to touch on that. Um, so it's a good question, but um, hopefully Lori can point you to some of the other um, prior episodes that we've done that went into more detail about that. And then we can obviously go into it about it in future episodes. But I wanted to touch on what about those good proposals that failed? So Florida had Prop 1. Uh, that was going to give some, um, essentially some leeway, not leeway, I'm, I'm looking for some relief, some tax relief, some real estate tax relief to homeowners who are simply improving their property, but they're improving it simply for purposes of flood mitigation. Uh, wind mitigation is already something that, well, hurricanes, hello, we need to do down here, uh, that the legislature proposed to the people, hey, why don't we make sure that you get um, the ability to make improvements for your flood mitigation needs and not have that counted against you in your tax bill. That makes sense. And it was a good thing that should have been done. So it's bad that it failed, that it didn't get the 60% of votes needed to pass, but <clears throat> it's not the end of the world. So um, what about Prop 2? The Constitutional Revision Commission it's unconstitutional. And so Prop 2 was going to abolish that commission, but that amendment to abolish it fell a little bit short. I want to say they all 
were very close to passing, but they didn't pass. Prop three is it's good that it didn't pass. It was going to give special incentives property tax wise to first responders, teachers, that kind of thing, um, because it violates the equal protection. That's why it needed to not pass. So that one was good. But as far as prop two um, and prop one for Florida, um, so let's look at that constitutional revision commission. It doesn't meet again or convene again until 2037. So there's time to address it yet as far as that particular one goes. And the Florida constitution um, gives you several options yet on how to amend the Florida constitution. One, legislative joint resolution. That's how all three props got on the ballot for this year in Florida was by the legislature saying, hey, let's, let's put this in front of the voters. The, um, another option is taxation and budget reform commission, a bunch of words that says more people that are not directly elected by the people are acting in functions that undermine the concept of having a Republican form of government. So that whole commission needs to go, but it's still another option right now, supposedly, for getting amendments in front of the voters. Uh, but the most important, and I saved it for last on purpose, is the Citizens Initiative, which we have in Michigan. It's also down here in Florida. It's in um, several other states. Utilize that, guys. Don't be afraid of the Citizens Initiative figure out what the requirements are. And quite frankly, Michigan and Florida, there's a lot of information right on the government's websites. Florida, I found quite a bit of information about how to get those citizens initiatives passed. Um, so in fact, I'll say to you that in Florida, we have that duty to address any of these issues of unconstitutionality. And I'm gonna remind you, like I just mentioned a minute ago, um, in the Florida constitution, Article 6, Section 3, that each person, when they register to vote, they have to say, I do solemnly swear that I will protect and defend the U.S., or the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of Florida. I mean, how I don't know how much simpler it could be. It's not just in that one act of voting for that one particular prop or person. What about state Supreme Court justices? We had 25% of state Supreme Court justices that were up for election this year with many constitution-minded uh, minded ones either not making it to the general election ballot or being beaten out by less constitution-minded justices. Happened all across the U.S. So Florida, there were five up for retention elections should they keep their position. Uh, that means they didn't have a challenger. It was just should they stay on the bench. Three of those five should have gone, but unfortunately they were retained or reelected. So there are seven total justices though in Florida, uh, in the Supreme Court. What would we do? What would I say to do here? Well, you gotta keep an eye on those Supreme Court cases. Really pay attention. These same justices are gonna be up for retention election in six years, which is a long time. But it's still, we got to know what they're doing and we got to be up on the information and know which ones are good and which ones are not good. Uh, one suggestion I had for you here, and I go into a little bit more detail later on of different ways that you can try to be um, staying on top of things, right? Because we have, you know, candidates for governor and AG and secretary of state. You have your state reps and your county commissioners, or if you're in Florida, it's county uh, council members. Uh, you have your, your city council members or township board members if you're in a state like Michigan, or it's called uh, a city, uh, it's backwards, city commission if you're in Florida. 
Um, anyway, you have state local offices, you have um, legislative branch, executive branch, judicial branch. It's so overwhelming. How can you possibly keep up on all these things? Well, one way is to pick three issues, maybe one, but up to three issues that are important to you. The three most important issues like to AEDU, what would you say your number one issue is that you might pay attention to if you were going to pick an issue? I'm going to I'm going to guess it might be on your hat, but. Usually the Second Amendment or a Michigan Article 1, Section 6. There you go. So uh, the the right to keep and bear arms. Um, so, you know, pick at least one issue, um, but up to three. Don't go over three because you will get inundated. Um, but to, to pay attention to how each justice sides on those issues, I would say keep a spreadsheet. Yeah, it sounds dorky. Yeah, you might not be somebody that likes computers or spreadsheets or whatever, but it's simple. Just have a simple little spreadsheet that you just keep track of their, their, each person is in their own column. And here's, you know, on this date or on this decision, however detailed you want to get, get it, just give them a tally or check mark or something to indicate whether they were on the good side of freedom or not. Um, so in Michigan, Justice Zara won re-election, which is phenomenal. He needed to stay on the court. Otherwise, Michigan, everybody, I would be screaming at you to move out if he had not have won re-election. Um, but so did Bernstein. He also won re-election. So that uh, he's a I, he's a really nice guy and he's super smart, but he doesn't do so well with the Constitution always. So anyway, um, those two were just re-elected. So it's status quo of the seven Supreme Court justices in the state of Michigan. So not only though will these guys be both up for re-election in another eight years, which is a little bit longer than Florida, but in two years another two justices will be up for re-election. So. What does that mean? We need to be paying attention to what the Supreme Court is doing in Michigan or in whatever state you're in. Okay, what about bad candidates? Your state, your local, maybe your federal candidates, but certainly your state and local candidates of all branches. You had bad candidates went across the board. What can you do? Well, it's possible you might want to challenge the results. Um, you might even want to, uh, if you don't know of a specific thing, there's something that's been recognized by the common law, which is not law, but uh, the government treats it as such right now. And that's called quo warrento. Basically, um, what is that person's authority to really serve in that position? Um, that's something that's uh, a, a tool that you can utilize. And no, not all attorneys uh, you don't need an attorney for all of these things, but attorneys generally make the process a little easier if they know what they're doing. Uh, maybe recall. Uh, in Michigan, I can tell you that if it's a four-year race, uh, the procedures don't allow you to recall somebody in the first year of office or the last year of office, but you can get things ready to roll, get people in place, get those county captains, get some language started, whatever the case may be. Uh, clear and factual is 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 the bar. It's all it's just got to be clear and factual language for a recall petition. But um, at any rate, maybe a writ of mandamus, getting the government, getting a court or a higher court, if you're talking about a lower court, getting a court to order that a government official does something that they're they have a duty to do. So if there is a duty to protect life. And they're instead deciding to enforce parts of Prop 3. Maybe that's a way to handle it. Um, if you have, you know, even at the state or local level, um, maybe there's a civil suit that should be filed. There's 
infinite numbers of things that you could be suing for a civil suit. But what about, what about people that don't want to take all this legal action? How about you start with encouraging good constitutional action? So let's say you have a hardcore liberal who hates the constitution most of the time, but every so often they actually, I mean, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. So you're bound to have a, a bad uh, or, you know, not that great, uh, an unconstitutional state rep or uh, township trustee or whatever, um, do good things every now and then encourage that good constitutional action, make that effort, yeah. even if they otherwise suck. Um, respectfully, but firmly and repeatedly voice concern over unconstitutional action. And uh, on Friday night, uh, 2AEDU, I know that you said you plan to talk to all kinds of people, right? You, your state reps, your senator. County commissioners. Right. And it's not like you have tons of free time. You're a family man. You have a wife. You have a kid. You have a business. You have yeah. stuff that you do uh, nine to five and outside of that. But it's important to you, I'm assuming. Yeah, and this is where I want to encourage people. I don't know if you guys know this or not. I hope everyone watching here knows this. But if you do, maybe you need to remind your friends of this. You can actually talk to the people on your local township level, your county level, and even your state level. Now, I get it. It's po impossible to probably have a one-on-one -on -one with the former vice president of the United States. You wouldn't want to anyways. But <laughs> you can literally go to the meetings and listen to them talk in front of the public. There's public comment. But how I end up with their cell phone numbers and their personal email addresses is I wait till the meeting's over and say, well, I'd like to talk about some more specific issues. And sometimes they've got little kids, they need to get ready for school, and they need to get out of there, you know, like after the meeting's done at 9 o'clock at night. But you'd be surprised. A lot of them are willing to exchange their cell phone number or their personal email address or whatever where you can start talking to them about things. Exactly. So it might not be a surprise that when it comes to, that's for bad candidates, that one. For good candidates, <laughs> I'm going to say first thing you need to do, encourage good constitutional action. Yeah. So let's say a good candidate who won. What about Angela Regas? She's one of the only that's just off the top. My friend Joe, uh, Joe Moss, who won county commission seat, or uh, my friend Angela Regas, who won the uh, state rep seat. State rep. Oh, yep. Those are just two examples that come right off the top of my head. People that I've known for years. Uh, Angela Regas, I've known for a very long time, and she loves the Constitution, and she certainly loves the Second Amendment. So I'm guessing she's a subscriber to the 2AEDU channel, <laughs> but she um, she's a good candidate who finally actually won, and it's exciting. Encourage her, though. Her life, in many ways, is going to be hard and sucky to to be surrounded by all these lawless, unconstitutional vultures. So encourage her every chance you get um, overall in general, but also on the specific actions she's taking or the fact that she takes time out of a busy schedule to go to a local DDA meeting or a downtown development authority or a planning commission meeting or whatever it might be, a chamber of commerce event, just to have that interaction with people in her own district. Um, but respectfully, 
even though firmly, uh, and also repeatedly voice concern over any unconstitutional action. Uh, let's say Gina Johnson, for example, she's another one that I've known for years since I ran for state rep or even before that. Uh, she is a, a good Christian woman who, who loves the Constitution, but who knows? I don't know how she's going to vote on something. Maybe inadvertently she gets, uh, you know, she takes a bad stance on an issue or maybe mm -hmm. she gets sucked into something by a lobbyist. Did you have some thoughts on that? You look like you, you had some... Oh, yeah, some of them are generally good per se, but they will mess up. And, and some of those things that have gone on where you're like, it's basically unanimously passed. How stupid are these Republicans that apparently agreed with the Democrats on this? It's good to go in there and remind them. And I would know this is from Michigan. I don't know about Florida or other states, but when the House is in session, they have what we call the red coats. They're the House security that they, they, they'll have the, them like guarding the doors or whatever. Most people don't know this, but you can walk up to them and say, I'd like to pass a member a note. I'd like to pass my representative a note. And you can write a note and they will actually deliver it to them while they're seated within the chamber. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but I've done that with Representative Bob Bazat. I've done that with Representative Joe Bellino, who's now Senator-elect Bellino, and others. Well, literally, they're in the middle of because sometimes they just ramble like on the floor. They'll sit there and read the agenda for like 45 minutes straight. <laughs> and they're kind of sitting in their board and you could be like, hey, look, this section says this. Remember to look at this when you vote in a few minutes. You know what I'm talking about, right? The passing them the note in real time. Yes. Um, but something that that I think we take for granted is that you don't have to be outside uh, when the legislature is in session, you don't have to be outside and simply passing them notes because uh, Article 4, Section 20 of the Michigan State Constitution says open meetings. The doors of each house, so the Senate and the House of Representatives, shall be open unless the public security otherwise requires, not uh, to protect them from COVID or any other crap, but the, the doors of each house shall be open. So you have the ability to go in and participate and watch and be there and, and just have your eyes on them. And you go to enough meetings and they're going to start to know who you are. You go, you go even to one um, town hall or, or coffee with your, with your representative type of situation and then show up in Lansing during uh, legislative proceedings. And then you're going to be like, yeah. I've seen that face. Oh, maybe you even have a shirt that says your organization, you know, maybe you support things like 2AEDU or Restore Freedom, and then you wear a shirt like that and you're watching them, then they're going to really know where you stand on issues. So um, be respectful, whether it's a good or bad candidate that won, a liberal or a conservative, be respectful, but be firm and be repetitious if need be. If they're taking a bad stance on something, if they're doing something unconstitutionally, keep reminding them, keep being that voice. Don't sit there and think, well, they're not going to listen to me. Yes. Yes. You, you wouldn't believe how they do hear what's going on. Um, and don't be afraid to step away from that party lines aspect or that group think. I can't tell you how many people within the conservative grassroots movement, I'm using the air quotes on that, that decided to um, 
tear me down as an individual, as a person, as, as a human being, when uh, I started coming out right before the 2020 elections and describing all the, the bad things that um, Republic, like you said to AEDU, when you were saying um, that a lot of those Republicans and Democrats, they're just joining forces and passing stuff unanimously. It's like, what, what are you doing, guys? I'm going to call them out. I don't care if you're a Republican or not. In fact, some of the most horrific bills that we saw in uh, from the Senate and from the, the House of Representatives in Michigan in 2020, 2021, even 2022, have been from people like, um, um, there's been some by Julie Kelly. There were some by uh, Ed McBroom. There were some by, um, this year, 2022, was um, Michelle, what's her name, Hoytanga. Um, I mean, just like, guys, what are you thinking? You're the ones authoring this stuff, let alone supporting it or voting on it. Make sure it doesn't matter what letter is behind somebody's name, R, D, you know, their Green Party, Independent. If they're doing wrong, don't be afraid to step away and be that one to stop that group think. And again, maybe yeah. recall, rid of mandamus, civil suits. It's all something that you might need to do. Can I throw something crazy out there? Absolutely. Before people throw tomatoes at me, even if they're a Democrat, and this might be our only hope in Michigan. Now, this is crazy, but I can prove it has been true in the past. So where I live, Monroe County, my current rep, soon to be senator in a week, is Joe Bellino, Republican. Jamie Thompson is going to take that seat. But before both of them, it was a Democrat named Bill Lavoie. Now, here's the thing about Bill Lavoie. I got to know him quite well because I make sure I know all of my public servants quite well that are representing me. He was a Democrat, and him and I would disagree. There was 100 things that were talked about or voted on. We disagree on 99 of them. But he was actually a staunch Second Amendment supporter. And every time any type of anti-gun bill would come up he'd vote against it and i kept that check mark like what you were talking about earlier Catherine. and he had just as good of a voting record than the best republican on second amendment issues and he actually had a better voting record than most of the republicans so we need to in the state of michigan anyways i know every state has its own dynamic but with this narrow two-person majority we need to find and hope that there might still be that one or two Democrats that will vote for the Second Amendment like Democrat Bill Lavoie used to. Well, you yeah, know? on each issue. So, you know, you have Second Amendment issues that, you know, if you can find that one Democrat who's willing to cross party lines on that particular issue or, you know, Karen Whitsett was um, a Democrat that in the 2020 elections uh, or in 2020 got some national recognition because she almost died from COVID and she was the one that Trump was working with to try to get her that um, hydro is it hydroxychloroquine. Anyway, what I don't remember all the details, but anyway, her own party mm -hmm. was trying to shun her because she simply met with Trump and thanked him for making that um, medical um, um, option known uh, it's ridiculous what the party lines will do on both sides, you know, both sides of the party line will do that, but, you know, help find that one person on the other side of the aisle that maybe doesn't 
like abortion. They're a Democrat, but they, they're a Democrat for all these other reasons. But on that one issue, they don't like abortion. Or maybe they're an abortion rights advocate, but they still advocate for parental rights. You know, find, know what, on which topics those one or two Democrats in, in whatever state you're in, that you could try to get to jump on board to, you know, the constitutional side um, and it's going to probably be a different one on each topic. Otherwise they likely would have run under a different party, but right. it's there. So I won't throw tomatoes at you for that. I mean, that was great. Um, okay. so irregularity, irregularities real quick. Um, Patrick Colbeck and many others, uh, uh, have, uh, you know, the fight that they're working on. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot. I was going to put some stuff from Christina Caramo in here, um, but forgot to do that today. Anyway, Patrick's, he's got a lot of different organizations that he's tapped into or working directly with, but letsfixstuff.org is, is his main website and you can at least contact him through there. So, um, if you have any, uh, what can you do you do as an individual, as a person, as an average Joe about any election irregularities. Um, you have a right right now to an election audit, especially before those 45 days are up in Michigan. Uh, what about that quo rento that we were talking about? What about um, reporting? If you, in any state you're in, if you have evidence of any kind of election issues, report that to your local sheriff, even if you don't think they're going to do anything about it. Cover the bases. Um, also report any evidence to the nonprofits that I've mentioned in more specifics in prior episodes, but even just a starting point is to touch base with Patrick Colbeck. Colbeck. Uh, let's fix stuff.org, go to that contact us page. Um, you can send him a message and you can say, hey, this is what I've got. Who do I, do I give it to you? Do I give it to some other organization? I'm sure he'd be able to point you in the right direction uh, because he's probably the most up to date on which which groups are getting ready to file, which things, or take certain actions. Um, so at any rate, um, as far as, uh, and that kind of ties in, I'm fighting off the ability to, or the, the, the urge to sneeze right now. So sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, Terry, it looks like on Facebook is asking, is it legal for a county to put ballots through the election tabulator twice? No, <laughs> no, they're not allowed to count ballots twice. Um, and so if you see something like that, if you have any sort of proof at all, even if it's a sworn statement, although we saw those tossed out in 2020, if you have a sworn statement that is considered evidence and that would be weighed alongside of any other evidence presented in any kind of case, but bring those, uh, allegations, the proof, the concerns, the sworn statements, et cetera, to, like I said, I'm going to pick on Patrick Colbeck and totally inundate him. Um, but give it to him and he'll, you know, at least he'll be able to direct you to where it would need to go, but also provide that kind of information in as detailed, um, you know, and, and clear of a, of a summary as you can to your local sheriff as well. So in general, what should you do? Have a strategy. Don't be indifferent. Don't be, uh, you know, full of apathy, like 2AEDU was mentioning earlier, you know, one way you could do it, team up with friends, neighbors, et cetera, to watch what's happening at your school board level, the local government action, state government issues, actions by your congressman or congresswoman. Um, 
Uh, sign up for email alerts. Uh, you could do that with school board issues, your local government issues. You can sign up to get information about meeting schedules, agenda packets, etc. cetera. Um, state government issues. You can sign up and we've shared information on this in prior episodes and, and in freedom fighting tools um, that we share on Fridays. But um, you can sign up to get information on new bills that are coming out or the status of particular bills as it moves through the legislature. Uh, resolutions, uh, different when votes are being taken and how the votes have come out. You can sign up to find information on committee hearings, which are very important as bills move through the legislature. You can also sign up to get email alerts about new state Supreme Court opinions or even court of court of appeals opinions. Why care about the court of appeals or S Supreme Court? Um, we've talked about in the past Supreme U.S. Supreme Court cases, um, but the publicity of trials, that open forum concept of trials plays a very important role in ensuring and preventing abuse on the judicial side of things, serving as that natural check on unjust prosecution and abuse of judicial power. Again, it's it's all overwhelming, I know, because we got to watch all three branches at all three levels or all levels of government, but that is something that we need to, um, we need to do. So... Um, in general, again, what can you or should you do? Um, well, you can also choose a method of signing up for, and I say email alerts, sometimes it's text message alerts, maybe you're just subscribing to certain channels on YouTube and, and then you're hitting the, the notifications button that way, whatever works for you, but I'm going to just default to email because everybody knows about that. But anyway, you could sign up to email alerts from a trusted 2A group. Um, or advocate, you know, um, 2A EDU is not a, a group per se. Um, I guess you have your wife that helps you on your, your podcasts and whatnot. But um, at any rate, you know, it could just be a certain individual that you follow. Um, I would say a true right to life advocacy organization. Um, not all right to life, official right to life uh, organizations are actually trustworthy and they don't all actually care about the constitution or the right to life, but find one that does Kristen Polo with the, uh, Michigan. Um, oh shoot. I forgot. It's, it's mostly dealing with college campuses and getting that right to life message out on college campuses. She's one that I would, um, trust to, you know, really fight for the right to life, et cetera. Um, anyway, she has a good email list. Uh, she's just an example. Um, parental rights organizations. So that Ottawa County, Ottawa Impact, they have their Ottawa County or Ottawa Impact Education Pack. Um, they have different aspects that deal specifically with parental rights. Um, property ownership rights group. So it's something that might be a little harder to think of which groups those might be, but they're out there. I guarantee you. Um, so when you're, when you're trying to figure out and sort through all these government types of actions at all these levels with your state reps and your justices and everything else, when you're having those one-to-one -one meetings, staying after the meetings and trying to catch up with those state reps or your local representatives, like, uh, 2AEDU was mentioning and trying to get the, that contact information, just remember, here's some of the basics. Governments are instituted to protect our God-given rights. We get our rights from God, not government. Government itself has no rights and government only has those powers, which we delegate to it. So as far as your legal or logistical options, when government is 
you know, trampling upon your liberties. It depends on the situation. Is government trying to prohibit you from doing something? Are they trying to force you to do something? Are they refusing to do something that they're required to do? That's why we have all those different options that we talked about earlier. And in fact, we did a whole um, episode that went in more detail on the differences there. So the election results are final now. There's nothing more we could do until the next election. Is that true or false? Oops, before I go there to AEDU, what would you say the answer is? Even before I saw the cheater there, I said false. Of course. So... All evidence of fraud must immediately be brought to your sheriff and the nonprofits working to secure elections. We, the people, must also pay more attention to bills introduced, votes taken, court opinions written, etc. All of it. You have to pay attention. I don't care that you're busy. I don't care that it's boring. I don't care that you just want to get on with life, so to speak. The way you are handling your life is how we got into this mess in the first place. The apathy, the indifference, the making somebody else responsible to make sure the Constitution and our rights are secured. Uh-uh. The time has passed for that. No more. We have to pay more attention to what our government officials do and not just in the weeks leading up to the next election. If you want more information from me, go to our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge that we'll, of course, share with you tomorrow on Wednesday. Thursday, like I mentioned at the beginning, we'll have that Constitution segment recap video and this uh, slideshow shared with you in the description of that video. We also also always have our freedom fighting tools uh, that we'll share on Friday. <sighs> I like the alliteration, but sometimes it gets hard to say. Um, but don't forget, like I said, to team up with or follow or support or like, subscribe to all those other types of freedom fighting organizations or advocacy groups or individuals like my good friend, 2AEDU. Of course, yes, we have We the People FOIA um, on YouTube saying freedom requires participation. I want to make that glow and 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 have sprinkles and glitter and, and rainbows shooting out of that statement. I mean, draw attention to it, make it neon. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I can't do that with my software, but I would do that. Um, but, but Lori is taking it off, putting it on, taking it off, putting it on to make it look like it's flashing. I mean, that works. Um, so anyway, um, 2AEDU, can you uh, tell everybody where, so you're on YouTube. Um, how would people, if they, if they care at all about the Second Amendment, how could they find out information from you? I'm on YouTube. I do videos throughout the week and also a live stream every Friday night at 930. And I'm also on Locals which is an awesome censorship free platform. And I'll do a stream there on Saturday nights where I can touch guns live and they don't have all the crazy rules that YouTube does. So you stream um, just to YouTube and locals then? Yeah, pretty much right now. I'm looking at Rumble, but I have like physical logistical issues. I, I like Rumble because they're actually part of locals. They've joined together. I just literally like physically had problems with my setup or whatever with Rumble. I don't know. The chat was giving me issues and stuff like that, but I'm working on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it won't work with StreamYard or Melon. Um, it doesn't pull in because of how the connection is, but hopefully if enough people go over there, they'll get enough of that in tech infrastructure built up that it'll work just this week, just yesterday. I think it was, um, it was announced that uh, through different software like Melon or StreamYard or whatever, um, the multi-streaming that um, LinkedIn now has the ability to have chat pull. So if people are commenting on LinkedIn, we could see it right here, just like we would see with um, 
you know, YouTube and Facebook. It used to just be those two that we could see, but now we could see Twitter, Twitch, um, LinkedIn. Um, so hopefully Rumble would be next on there because I, I can't see Rumble myself. Um, so usually Yes, and I do like Rumble, though, for all the people watching on Rumble. It's nothing philosophical against them. I love them to death there. They just have back-end logistical issues right now that make it hard. Yeah, yeah. So... All right. Well, any last thoughts you want to share with people um, on this great topic of what the heck do we do now? Where do we go from here? Well, if people, I, I'm going to. I'm sorry. No, that's okay. I'm going to jump in real quick. There was a question that didn't pull through the chat that uh, Curtis on Facebook asked, and so we're backpedaling a little bit to the beginning of the show. Then, how did the verbiage of Prop Three even get accepted if it violates the U.S. Constitution? Okay, I'm I gonna, think we lightly touched on it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. We could retouch on that in a minute, but I know that 28EDU has to head out, so I just wanted to. Yeah, give I'm gonna bounce away. To, uh, um, well, great. She's gonna have to come back in because I'm not gonna remember exactly what the question was. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, uh, so 28EDU, what were you sharing as last thoughts? Um, there's people in the chat asking me the name of my channel. It's 2A space EDU, and Lori just put a link up there. Thanks, Lori. No, I mean, if we're all complaining that all these people that we don't know who they are are passing these laws and doing all this crazy stuff and making it where people vote in certain ways, well, we have some blame for that, actually. If we want this to be a country of the people, by the people, and for the people, then we actually have to do something. And I know all of you guys are doing something or you wouldn't be hanging out on Catherine's channel, but just remind your friends of all that. Say, this is crazy, but it doesn't have to be that way. And you matter and your children matter and your liberty matters. And just kind of give people the encouragement and let them know that they're worth it and that they do have a voice, but they actually have to open their mouth and speak it or type it or whatever they're doing. So that's my encouragement. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for coming on today to talk about it. It's always good to have a different perspective and somebody who's been in the freedom fight. You're not a newbie to it. Uh, in fact, you've been in the freedom fight a lot longer than Tudor Dixon has. But anyway, um, sorry, can't help myself sometimes. But I, I do appreciate you having me on. And I want to encourage those of you or have me, whatever. I can't even. Well, we've done both in the last three days. So we have, we've done both. So I appreciate you having me on your channel. And I love that you were able to come on to our channel and um, so we look forward to hopefully having anybody that was listening to this who hasn't had that rock solid, I mean, cause NRA is good, but they're not phenomenal in terms of knowing what's happening. If you're looking for what's going on in federal and state issues, especially, you know, Michigan state issues, but federal issues, and you love the second amendment, please do hit that like, and subscribe notifications button, all that fun stuff on uh, the 2A EDU channel on YouTube because there's a lot of good information. I'm not the biggest fan of locals. I was hoping it was going to do something, but I think it's complicated. And um, we just, we weren't getting as much traffic on there as unfortunately, you know, still growing on Facebook and YouTube and, and couldn't grow on the, those kind of platforms for some reason, but true social and uh, telegram and all that other fun stuff we're still on. So, yay. But um, all right. Well, thank you. And thank you to all of you. Um, uh, 2AEDU, if you have to head out to get to your meeting, I'm going to try to answer any of those last straggling questions that didn't make it through uh, the chat earlier. Yeah, I have a meeting in a few minutes, but thanks for having me. I had an awesome time, and I appreciate all you guys watching and in the chat. You guys are cool. 
All right. Have a great afternoon. Hi. Right, see you later. All right. I brought you back. <laughs> brought you back, Lori. Okay. So what was that question again? So his wording was, then how did the verbiage of Prop 3 even get accepted if it violates the U.S. Constitution? Because the justices are tunnel visioned and this is not respectful, but they were being stupid. They were being partisan and just freaking stupid. So what do I mean by that? It was obviously brought to the Michigan Supreme Court. There were challenges to it, etc. But the language, so basically what the Board of Canvassers is supposed to do in Michigan, um, technically by state law, doesn't tell them that they have to make sure that it passes constitutional muster in order to move it on. It doesn't tell them that. So the justices have said, oh, well, then they don't get to make those determinations. They don't get to do anything like that. So it has to, you know, it's one of those moves in Monopoly where they just get to pass, go or jail or whatever those moves are, you know, cheat. OK, you just get that free pass that you get to go right on through that stage and make it right to the ballot. Now. It was taken to the Michigan Supreme Court, though, and those certainly are people that are supposed to be determining whether government action is constitutional or not. However, there is this concept in courts where they claim that it's not um, justiciable, okay? They're saying courts and justices, judges cannot determine the issue of constitutionality of something if it's not what's specifically brought to them. Like, in other words, they see it as undermining other functions of government. If they're gonna on their own or sua sponte, bring up an issue of constitutionality. That's what the, the claim by the judicial branch has been. That they can only supposedly address issues of constitutionality that are brought up properly by the parties. So unfortunately, um, in this particular case, there's also, um, you know, the challenges were made to the specific language that it was a gobbledygook mess, that none of it made any sense, um, that it, it was, it, at any rate, it was just about the, it wasn't about the content of Prop 3 that was litigated, it was about the the manner in which it was written and that it would be in front of the voters. So they did not address the constitutionality of it. And it, they should have. If I was a justice on that court, damn straight, I would have been saying, okay, well, we have this issue that it's not even written in recognizable language when you have as many as 21 words all merged together without spaces or punctuation whatsoever. And that happens throughout the entire proposal. But on top of those kinds of nonsense that we cannot put in front of the voters, in addition to that, we have some huge constitutionality issues because if this passes, then it's unconstitutional 
because of X, Y, and Z. And even though there's a severability clause, that in and of itself is unconstitutional because voters, if they pass it, are voting on it as a package, as a total piece of um, constitutional amendment. So if pieces of it are then later taken out by the judicial branch through a challenge, a constitutional challenge to it, then they're changing what the voters might have otherwise been willing to vote on. So for many reasons, the whole thing should never have made it to the voters in the first place. But we have a system that I'm not just talking about corruption. I'm talking about, think of it like corrosion. There's outright intentional corruption being done, but then there's corrosion where you have people that are in government that are um, allowing the system decade after decade after decade to get more and more full of this corrosion where each and every aspect, each and every little piece, there's more administrative rules and procedures you have to follow. There's more ways that the people are separated and disenfranchised and, and, and taken out of government and having access to the government and each of those government officials. There's ways that the government is then um, making all these rules and policies for them. It's, it's a CYA game, right? So that they're, it's a hot potato too. They don't ever have to, you know, they don't ever want to be the person who has to catch that political hot potato, especially right before an election. No, they want to make sure that they're, you know, they could pass the buck to somebody else um, and somebody else has to bear the responsibility for that. But what's worse is that you do have those people that utilize that crust in the government, that corrosion uh, that otherwise stops the clear mechanisms of a Republican form of government from working properly. They utilize that corrosion and the way we've allowed those different layers and things to, to exist to... Uh, serve if they recognize, well, okay, this might not be constitutional in this sense, but it serves my purposes. It, per it, it um, pushes through what I think should be, you know, what government should be doing or, you know, it, it you know, okay. So they're getting what they want out of it, even if it doesn't pass constitutional muster. So they're going to find a way to move things around and make it work and justify it because the ends are justifying the means. But anyway, that's 75 different explanations for a <laughs> simple question, which is why I had to let 2AEDU head out to his next um, meeting. Uh, before I attempted to answer that. So were there any other questions that I didn't, um, um, oh, I, I thought I was at the end, but. Um, I think, think we covered all there. Uh, Curtis uh, does ask about um, the avenue to recall the prop and whatnot, which you covered in the beginning of the show. So if you go back and, What's the beginning? I think that catches us up. Um, yeah, so we were talking about time. 
um, and how it, in many ways, you know, two years from now, it might seem like in an eternity if you're talking about getting ready for the next constitutional amendment ballot uh, proposal. But uh, Jane Locke reminds me here, it seems like yesterday that she and I met on the steps of the Capitol on April 30th of 2020. Um, in many respects, it does seem like that, but... Um, uh, um, all right, let me see. Um, you said you've been watching all these. Um, uh, I am. I'm trying to get some clarification on the rumble side on a question. Okay. So, all right. It looks like, like I said, if you had a question, comment, or concern, um, where you um, did, you know, you felt like we skipped over it, we didn't address it or whatever. Um, chances are, if you stepped away even for a minute, then we probably did address it because we've addressed a lot throughout this episode. Um, it is one of our longer episodes, but we did address a lot. And um, again, we've also addressed all these things throughout. Um, this whole year, the last three years, but certainly in in several of the other prior episodes. So answers are available for you. If you feel even later on after the live stream has completed, you come up, oh man, I have this great question. You could still try to get it to us, but really what I'd like you to do is utilize the resources we've already made available to you. Go to restorefreedomkh.com. You can go to that search bar on our website if you're on any page, there's still that search bar. You go there, type in whatever topic you're looking for, and you'll start seeing results of videos, posts, freedom fighting tools, way to get involved challenges, biblical insights, everything that we've been sharing with you about that particular topic. Um, you can search, um, find uh, everything that's categorized, specifically has that category or specific tags, but even just general keywords and things like that, you'll be able to find a plethora of resources that all match whatever you're specifically searching for. You can find our videos, you can find posts, like I said, different links and freedom fighting tools. Go to restorefreedomkh.com and you can either just scroll through things by clicking on that updates tab or go to that search bar and type in whatever kind of keyword will help you um, you know, get those questions answered that you're looking for. Lori, were you able to find whatever question it was on the, um, yeah, he was trying to, well, what he originally said is so a district judge can declare the defense that the charge is an unconstitutional law, that the law is constitutional, let the trial continue. So if he, if it's an unconstitutional, what I gathered from him saying, if it's an unconstitutional law, but the trial judge the district court judge says it's constitutional and allows the trial to continue. I'm not saying it exactly right. If, if it's unconstitutional law, but the trial or the district court judge says it is constitutional. So then he allows it to continue. Is that okay? And and I was kind of answering him, no, it's not. And I shared the iron pig. It's kind of reverse in that um, when you're when you're in the district court, the district court judge is deciding for that jurisdiction area in Michigan, at least. 
and that um, as far as the courts are concerned, it would, I didn't get to answer this part. It would be the Sup Michigan Supreme Court that would have to ultimately, as far as the courts are concerned, declare unconstitutional. Is that correct? I didn't answer that part to them. No. Um, so if you have anything that's unconstitutional, first of all, it doesn't take a, I've been talking about them as the, the guys mm -hmm. in the black robes, um, it, justices or judges. It doesn't take a judge or justice to say, oh, this is unconstitutional because if we have, especially if you're a voter in Florida, for example, you've taken the oath to uphold and defend the U.S. Constitution, period. It doesn't say you have to wait until a judge tells you to do X, Y, Z. No, the Constitution is what it is. If you are in Michigan and you volunteer at a school or you are uh, an employee for any level of of state or local government in any branch in any way, you could be the janitor, you could be a school bus driver, you could be a volunteer, anything like that you are required to take that constitutional oath yourself. So if you are someone who has taken that oath of office, when I've, I've served on a downtown development authority board, I've served on the planning commission, I've served on a township, um, a, a, a t as a township trustee, I've served uh, in, as a state party, uh, state committee woman, I've served on the second district, uh, second congressional district um, committee woman. I, I, lots and lots of other things aside from being an attorney. I've also served in all those different kinds of roles. Um, and technically, even when I was a restorative justice practitioner uh, working in an elementary school, it was a public elementary school, I should have been required to take that constitutional oath. But they didn't require that of me, uh, but I was legally obligated to do that. At any rate, it doesn't matter. It's not just about attorneys or politicians. It's people in all different areas. Uh, you are required to take a constitutional oath. So if you are someone who has taken a constitutional oath, just think about it that way. You are required to support and defend the U.S. Constitution. It says nothing about waiting for a judge to tell you it's unconstitutional. If it's about, say, the right to life, we have a right to life, period. If it's about anything else where it's clearly going outside of the bounds of the Constitution, then you can't do it. You can't further that unconstitutional action. Now, if you're talking about in the context of a criminal case, um, yeah, so it's the trial court judge that makes that d determination in, um, in your particular case, but oftentimes they get it wrong. That's why we have appellate courts. That is why we have appellate courts. If the judges got it correctly the first time, then there would be no reason to ever appeal. But our system is set up that there's not only one level of appeal, there might be two, three, four, who knows? My Allegan County Election Day 2020 case that was started in the Allegan County District Court, there was the court, uh, the circuit court, that was the first level of appeal, then the Court of Appeals, then the State Supreme Court, and if necessary, I was gonna then take it to the U.S. Supreme Court. So that's, even so, um, that's just the, the the stepping stones of how you get something declared unconstitutional in the legal sense. But uh, our legislators can declare something unconstitutional. Your state reps, uh, when I served on the county, excuse me, when I served on the um, Georgetown Township Board as a trustee, if I had put together a resolution that said, you know, 
we are passing XYZ resolution. We're passing this because we are recognizing that this is unconstitutional or this is unconstitutional. We can do that. We can declare or recognize certain governmental actions as unconstitutional. You can do that. You have a duty to do that. So don't just look at judges, especially trial court judges, as the end-all be-all for what is determined to be constitutional or not. Absolutely not. Our system, our entire system of governance is one of the people, by the people, and for the people. It's not a system of judges and attorneys who get to determine everything. Hell no. Well, it looks like um, Curtis was saying, I'll try to find it on Facebook. For some reason, it's not showing on my other screen, but he says, the poll challengers at the AVCB in Detroit, including myself, was denied our duties according to a Michigan election law. I asked him if he reached out to Colbeck, and he said that Colbeck told him he needed to inquire with a constitutional attorney. So I don't know if that's even something we can go. I'm not going to, at, at this late stage, we've been on here almost two hours. I'm not going to start a yeah. whole new conversation, but um, I guess, Lori, you and I can touch base to see if, um, if I, if it's something that I can even, you know, take on even just to answer a simple question or point in a, in a direction. I'm not, I'm still not able, you guys, I, I do this 24 seven. I am not in a position to be able to take on any new cases right now because I've the God, God keeps bringing the freedom fight to me. And I have this going on in this direction and this going on in that direction. And I've got people writing me saying, when are you going to file that lawsuit against those Allegan County officials? Uh, because if we don't, you know, have somebody like you that stands up and holds them accountable. That kind of stuff's going to keep happening to all these other people. I've got people that don't even live in Michigan that are saying, you've got to do that. You've got to file uh, that lawsuit. So, I mean, I've, I've got so many things. We've got um, some right to life uh, amicus briefs that we've got to file in, in different cases. Uh, I'm so over my head in terms of the amount of freedom fight that I've got to take on. And um, I don't have, you know, it's me and Lori. I'm coding the website. I'm figuring out the logistics of how to use all this software. I'm the I'm recording the the you know little segment videos, the preview episode episode previews, and the Constitution segment recaps. I'm reading all the legal research. I'm putting it together in slideshows. I'm doing all that stuff. So I I can't possibly take on anything else right now. But um, this is my time right here to be able to try to answer as many of the questions as I possibly can. So I just threw that last part up. <laughs> this so, little light of mine. We if everybody do, were a little light, we would be very bright. So we um, we do appreciate any and all support that you can provide to us. Um, we do have some new sponsorship opportunities available on our website. If you want to go to restorefreedomkh.com slash support, you can see the different ways you can support us just by 
hitting the like and subscribe button on a variety of different social media platforms, blogging platforms, podcasting platforms, etc. Um, otherwise, uh, it gives you information on how to um, shop for our few Restore Freedom items that we sell to you at our cost, just to be able to help get the word out there. Um, our magnets and our window decals, things like that. Uh, pop sockets are a great thing. Um, I love my pop socket. I've had my Restore Freedom pop sockets. They stay on my phone and don't have any issues until I get a whole new phone. And I don't get new phones very often. Um, so I, And they're the name brand pop socket ones. Um, they're great. They're wonderful. And it was a local West Michigan company that got those uh, made for me. So um, good times on that. Uh, at any rate. Um, as far as donations, though, there's new opportunities. So please do check that out before you close out of watching this video today. At least just give it a look. Go to RestoreFreedomKH.com. You can um, go to slash donate or you can just hit the support and then you'll see another drop down for the donate tab. But RestoreFreedomKH.com slash donate. You'll see different ways that you can donate to the, just the general freedom fight. You don't care where you just want to help donate in some way, shape or form to what we're doing here. It could be $5. It could be $500. It could be $5,000. Every single amount can help. If every single one of you that's ever asked me a question threw $10 in, I'd actually be able to pay for all the stuff that I'm using to, to be here and stream and do newsletters and keep the website up and running. But so many people have decided in the last two years that the donations uh, can to, can dwindle because it's not as important. It's just as important in the freedom fight today as it was two years ago. I need your help. In order to keep doing this work, I need your help. Um, so you can see right on there, we have some specific ways. If you want to donate to something, a specific endeavor we have, like our um, our newsletter, uh, our weekly new newsletter we have, just keeping the website up and running, or uh, which is chock full of freedom fighting information, and we'll continue to have more being added. Um, but we have our Constitution app that is it's functional right now, and it's going to be phenomenal when I'm done with uh, redoing and revamping it. Um, but we have obviously... Uh, upkeep costs for that, as well as doing this weekly show with you, doing our segment on Thursdays, our constitution segment recap, which is uh, tried to be a 10 minute or less segment so we can get it up on all those smaller platforms, uh, smaller video platforms like TikTok and um, you know Pinterest and Instagram and all those other ones too. So at any rate, um, you can see there's sponsorship opportunities where we'll mention your company name, your organization, you as an individual, however you'd like to do it in honor of somebody else. Um, if we could share your company uh, logo and the link for your business. Uh, so if you want to donate, for example, to our... Um, our um, uh, Constitution segment recap, $22 a month is, uh, is what it costs me minimum out of pocket. So if you want to donate just $22 and support uh, Restore Freedom, then that means that whole month, all of our Constitution segment recap videos are going to uh, um, feature you or your company or organization or whatever uh, as the sponsor for that particular uh, segment all through the month. Um, and same thing, we have opportunities for our full show here to have a mention, of course, at the beginning and at the end of the show. Uh, it would be uh, with links to your, your business and your logo and everything else. Uh, that's, I believe, $62 a month is what it costs for us to put this on bare minimum just to have the software and stuff. That's just out of pocket. Yeah, that's that, just, that, that's not the time spent. No, 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 no. I'm not getting paid anything. Lori's not getting paid anything. <laughs> yep. Um, we'd like to say Mike is getting paid the big bucks, but he really doesn't get paid anything. Um, so anyway, um, 
yeah, we have lots of different opportunities for you. All the prices are on there for what uh, I just redid all my numbers and okay, I switched to this software. So it's cheaper than using that software and this and that and whatever. Um, but I need to continue getting the information out to you and many others. So please consider helping. Like I said, even $22 a month in a situation can get you not only to help us with the whole segment, but get you sponsorship for your own cause or organization for a whole month. So again, restorefreedomkh.com slash donate would be the way to do that. Um, but at least hitting the like, subscribe and share buttons do help so much as well. So with that being said, I'm super hungry, guys. I'm going to go ahead, <laughs> get my lunch and feed my kid. So uh, hopefully she's getting her science work done right now. But uh, uh -oh. anyway, we can. <laughs> Um, oh, and my uh, my silence uh, is no longer on my phone because that's only set for an hour and a half. <laughs> so two hours. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, it's been a pleasure being with you today. Um, I'm constitutional attorney Catherine Henry. This is Liberty Laurie. Of course, we had our special guest to AEDU. We thank you so much for joining us today and look forward to joining you uh, tomorrow for our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge. Thursday for that video for our Constitution segment recap. Friday, those freedom fighting tools. Saturday, that great video from Rachel on our Restore Freedom goodie of the week. And Sunday, we round out the week with a biblical insight on the topics that we've been talking about. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Have an absolutely wonderful afternoon.